the planets where people actually come together. So like Coruscant or Navarro, planets that aren't delegated for one particular industry must just have so much trade going on or you're like expected to like bring all your supplies in with you if you have a weird diet, I guess. Like don't <laughs> travel without like 10 dinner packs. In your right. Hey guys, before the episode starts, I'd like to give a quick thanks to all my supporters. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that anyone who, who listens to this podcast supports it. It's it's, it's very uh, nice to know that people are willing to help out with this and that they see it to be something worth investing in. Uh, right now, it's just faith. Uh, thank you again, whoever you in, you are, um, for for you know donating to this podcast. It's by no means an obligation, so anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to give me any, any kind of financial support for this. Um, any, any is appreciated, but again, I'm not going to ask that of you guys. I don't like to ask you guys to pay for a, a product like this. It's just something that I like to do for fun. So um, yeah, definitely not required, but but greatly appreciated when it is. I also like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Anchor. Uh, there will be an ad for that halfway through, um, but again just thank all of you for so much for for tuning in every episode and and just giving your your undivided attention and, and support and it means so much to me so thank all of you and i hope you enjoy the episode hello and welcome to talk ag to me the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe i'm your host brandon black and today's episode is going to be a bit of a different one now in previous episodes we've talked about some non-agricultural topics to say in the least uh, and how they relate to agriculture video games movies that kind of stuff well today we're going to dive way head in and talk about all things Star Wars and agriculture and help me discuss this topic. I have uh, my guest here, Natasha. Now I'm going to let her introduce herself. Natasha, uh, why don't you tell our, our guests or our audience all about yourself? Hi there. My name is Natasha Purdom. Um, I'm a pharmaceutical industry professional and a new voiceover actress. I am a giant Star Wars freak. Um, used to be more on the Star Trek camp, but recently Star Wars has kind of taken over my life. So this is right up my alley. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, no, I, I can definitely relate there. I actually, I haven't gotten into Star Trek yet. That's one of, that's one of the mean to watch for a while now, but no, I've been a diehard Star There's Wars fan. a lot of like, content to get through. Oh yeah. No, that's what I've heard. It's like, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to start because I won't, I won't ever finish, but um, no, for sure. I, I, I've been a Star Wars, you know, a diehard Star Wars fan since I was a little kid. My dad used to watch it. So I used to watch it with him all the time. Um, you know, every kid grew up with lightsabers and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, definitely, it wasn't until I got older that I got really, really, really into it. Like all like this, all the lore and all the, the EU and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the movies I loved since I was little. And so now I've got my girlfriend into it and all this kind of stuff. I actually have my my like a Boba Fett on my, oh, on my desk. I love that. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Matches like, my shoes. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but yeah, so as you know, as, as some of our, our listeners may know, I've discussed Star Wars on this podcast a couple times, you know, just very, very briefly. Um, but one of my favorite conversations I've had on the podcast so far was actually in, I think it was my third episode of, of season two. It was my, my second uh, interview with our good old friend, Patrick. And he asked me what I thought the best uh, Star Wars droid would be as a farming robot, because we were talking about ag technology. And that one question has sparked so many conversations that I've had with people all across the, the different Star Wars communities, different ag communities, and where those communities tend to overlap, which isn't a very large 
uh, margin, but you know, it's, it's there somewhat. Um, but no, I've, I've, I've been incredibly interested in that idea ever since bringing agriculture and Star Wars together. And uh, I reached out into a, a Star Wars Facebook group and I had a significant, um, significant amount more responses than I was expecting. And Natasha was one of the most uh, avid people on there, you know, responding and having some great, uh, some great things to say. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, so before we get into things, uh, I have to ask my essential question as always, Natasha, what experience, if, if any, do you have with the agricultural industry? So I don't know a lot about it. Um, I do try to shop local. I have a lot of, um, you know, uh, farm land where I am. Um, I'm on six acres and there's a lot of like small local farms near me. Mm. Um, personally, I, I grow a handful of things, but I just, you know, dabble in small scale residential style. <laughs> um, so most of what I know about agriculture came from your podcast episodes that I've listened to. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad they're working. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, well, yeah, that, that's that's great. And you know, as as you know, um, I, I try to bring on people on here who don't have quite as much experience because they always bring a different perspective to the issues, and I think that's always a good thing. But um, no, I think that's great that you know you do some gardening. I saw on on your post that you you have your own little gardens in the back, which is awesome. You know, I always support uh, localized, uh, agriculture, even if it's not on a, on a commercial scale, you know, you could just grow them for some tomatoes for your salads. That's, that's still agriculture. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So diving into the topic though, you seemed uh, pretty excited to, to talk about this. Uh, what, um, you know, I, I obviously we've talked about, uh, agricultural, uh, use for, for farm, for farming droids, what other agricultural references does Star Wars make that possibly I haven't touched on or, or that maybe our audience isn't as familiar with? I know that your shirt is already a reference to, to some things agricultural. Well, um, I keep and... thinking about this shirt because um, <laughs> the moisture farming is this mm -hmm. big thing in Star Wars. And if you're, you know, an actual fan, you understand the concept. But I think if I you know, my parents have seen all the movies, but I think if I mentioned moisture farming to them, they'd have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting that like, that's such a dominant industry in Star Wars and like, maybe where we're trending towards if we one day end up, you know, in a different environment, <laughs> a thousand years in the future. And uh, it could be practicable. <laughs> but that's, that's something that's kind of interesting that they don't, I, I haven't read any books that really dive into it, but it's always kind of just like, oh, they're a moisture farmer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've actually gotten that question before because I've talked to somebody about this before. I don't remember if it was on an episode or not. I think we were just talking and they said, you know, what what is moisture farming? I I really didn't have an answer for them. I, mean, I know it's, it's farming moisture, obviously. Like you're, you're pulling as much moisture out of the ground as possible, but like they live on a desert planet. What exactly is, is it used? For? I don't know if you know or if, if that's kind of just... You know, I know, like you said, there's not a whole lot of books or anything on it. So it's kind of just, yeah. I don't know. So I kind of think of it as like a giant dehumidifier. And then they like, the water they're dumping out of the dehumidifier is like the, their water source. Mm. Um, like, that's, that's kind of how I picture it in my mind. That, that would make sense. Huh. But like, I guess, you know, if, if they're in an area that doesn't have a lot of bodies of drinkable, potable water, mm. then all the tiniest droplets that they're getting that are coalescing is their best source of water. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I, I hadn't, I, I'd never really, I mean, you always hear about, you know, Luke was a moisture farmer. He came from a family of moisture farmers. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, you know, that's always kind of like one offline, but like when you actually start to think about it, like th that also goes back and this is a bit, a, bit, a bit of a tangent, but it also goes back to the level of detail that's put into these movies. Like there's so many uh, just aspects to the universe that we still don't understand. I mean, like there's jobs that were like, 
you know, why, why do they need that job? You know, right. why is that important? When in reality, that could be like the, the most important job on their planet. Like maybe moisture farmers run tattooing because there's no moisture there. I don't know, but like, yeah. it, 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 it's the, insane. The Sorry, topography of the areas that have moisture farmers. So like in the Mandalorian, Quill is a moisture farmer. And he, oh, again, right. is in this like very arid place. I don't think they show any sort of body of water at any point mm -hmm. in the episodes where um, they're there. And uh, again, like, so desert planet, got to farm your moisture. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way you're going to get it. So I think um, I was listening to the episode you had um, uh, about Mars um, mm -hmm. that was talking about the, the book and the movie, The Martian. And thinking about so in the Star Wars world, maybe they have taken these planets that don't really have viable sources of water and wouldn't be habitable otherwise. And like the moisture farming literally makes like life on that planet possible. That's an interesting theory because we <laughs> obviously here we we've had issues inhabiting other planets from both the technological perspective but also a sustainability perspective. I mean, you know, just to take Mars for example. Uh, we we've seen indications that there's there's some water on Mars, but we've we've had very very little luck being able to actually grow anything productive on Mars using Martian soil. Uh, you know they're they're having the same issue with the Moon right now. They're trying to find ways to grow food on the Moon that's just not working because Moon dust is terrible for growing crops. But like, yeah, maybe that's the ticket to it. Maybe it's just a, a you know some level of technological advancement. Maybe it's moisture farming. Maybe it's you know there's something else that that we're missing that in the Star Wars universe, they figured out like, you know, <laughs> this, this planet is completely in, in, um, inhabitable unless you use this machine that can turn the, the smallest amount of moisture into a, into a lake and then you can farm there. Right. And maybe that's it. I don't know. That's, that's interesting though, that I, I, I completely forgot about Quill. Like I was completely <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Don't Luke forget is... about Quill. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so sad because he's like my favorite character in the Mandalorian. I love Quill. Um, we're not going to talk about the last episode, but, um, oh. <laughs> I have a robot vacuum named IG 11 oh, and my three-year-old talks about him all the time. So he'll just like <laughs> tell a story and like throw IG 11 into it. Cause he loves the robot vacuum. And it just like brings me so much joy every time he says IG 11. <laughs> That's awesome. So actually that, that, that brings me to another question, which is again, a bit of a tangent from the original conversation, but as you'll learn, that's kind of how I, how I <laughs> love tangents. operate. Um, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Out of all of the droids that we're aware of in the Star Wars universe, which one do you think would make the best farming robot? So I did think about this a lot, and I kind of set myself up for this response. So if mm. you were farming in the Star Wars world, I love the idea of a droid of destruction turned into a protocol droid, for so like instance, IG-11, mm. because not only can he supervise all the operations, but he can protect from wildlife, predators, enemies, everything, and he can like do the whole thing. In terms of like actual, you know, crop harvesting and that type of thing, I don't know enough about like the really techie techie droids mm -hmm. um, to get into that. But if we're talking like, again, managerial level, I remember someone made the comment that C-3PO was way too whiny, which I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think a, um, you know, a assassin or bounty droid turned protocol droid could be very useful. I think that'd be really cool to see. And as we've seen from the Mandalorian, it is possible to reprogram them for, for other uses and still be protective you know ig 11 is obviously a nursing droid now or was um but it probably had experience farming because he did work on a moisture farm <laughs> right yeah and well yeah we actually saw in the montage of him reprogramming him that he had to learn how to you know use use his 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 hands to be more delicate when moving water from one location right. to another and you know so that level of reprogramming maybe it would take time but it could actually result in a more useful 
uh, you know, a more useful companion for that kind of operation. I know in my episode, we talked about C3PO a little bit, and that was not the ideal choice. And I actually mentioned <laughs> that I think that he would be good for a managerial position because he's very good at at kind of coordinating things. You know, he's he's very smart and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and actually, as as my guest brought up, he he can speak every language, which is incredibly useful. You know, he, he could translate to to different workers. That that's often a barrier we see in agriculture is the language. Um, but overall, I just don't think that he's cut out for farm work. Oh my gosh, he'd be so stressed if he got dirty, he would freak out. <laughs> oh, he would lose his mind. He would it's step into <laughs> he step into the field and immediately go home because he just couldn't handle it. Like that's kind of like. A show I'd like to watch, though. I would love to <laughs> see. C-3PO trying to farm. <laughs> I just want to see them take every Star Wars character and stick them on a farm and see what happens. Yes. It's going to be hilarious. The fan film we have to make. Yes. Oh, man, that'd be so good. <laughs> that There we go. We'll just animate it. You'll be the voice actor for for it, and then it'll be it'll be great. And <laughs> But no, we when we had the conversation, I actually had brought up R2-D2, and not because I'm, you know, basic, and I think R2-D2 is the best droid, but because I mean we've yeah. seen throughout the throughout every movie, throughout every TV show, throughout every I mean like R two D two is so versatile in every single situation he's put in, and he's one of the smartest droids out there. I mean like his AI is so advanced, and I think part of that is because he never gets his memory wiped, which helps. But it's true. He's also just so he's seen so much that he knows how to adapt quickly to things, and he can plug into everything. Like he's in. <laughs> So like, like I was talking to to my dad about it because my dad, like I said, he's a Star Wars fan too. And I asked him and he was like, well, wouldn't R2-D2's like tires just get stuck in the mud? And I was like, well, yeah, but he could plug into a tractor and then pull something through the Yeah, he would adapt. Yeah, he could, he's got, he's got his little rockets on him. He can like fly through and spray a field. (laughs) Like there's so much he could do. He could pick fruit. um, And like when we were doing the episode uh, where we actually talked about this the first time, I mentioned that, you know, the robots we use in agriculture today aren't like Wally. They're not just driving out there picking fruit and put them in a bucket. And my, my guest was like, Oh, if they're not Wally, then I'm not interested. But um, we, we, we talked about how, like, if that were to be the case, what would we want to see? And I would want, I personally would want to see an R2D2 style robot, like an astromech kind of design that could plug into a bunch of different applications. Cause then you pay for one robot. You don't have to pay for all these machines and program all of them to do the task. You should have one robot that can plug into all of them to do, to do that task. And it should probably save you a lot of money. And you know, R2D2 would come up with a better way to do everything. Oh, like, absolutely. Just optimize it. Like mm-hmm. it's his job. <laughs> yep. And C3PO would be yelling at him the whole time for not doing it right. And it'd be fantastic. <laughs> my dad actually brought up a decent point which was um i always forget what his number is um the droid from rogue one what you know what i'm talking about yes i do but yeah the the super sassy one that's just insanely tall um yes he brought up that, that he'd be really, really good. Like if you just needed a fruit picking droid, that he'd be perfect because he could reach all the different branches. And obviously like he's, you know, he's made of, of metal, so he's not going to get hurt. So he could stick his arm through the trees where there's all the spikes and everything and not get hurt. Yes. Um, he'd be ideal for, for, for field work. K2SO, by the way. Oh, there we go. Yes, that's it. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yes, but also whiny, a little bit whiny. Uh, yes, I can what see is that him. with droids and being whiny? I, I don't get it. Droids complain more than the humans do, and they're really? not like they're not art. They're not they're not organic. <laughs> it's so weird. And even like you know the bad guys droids are like going into battle. Like what? Right. Like, there's so many of them, and they're just like freaking out. Like how are you not programmed to be calm? <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I, the most, I like, fully... endearing things I think about Star Wars is even the characters that are like, 
completely made of metal are made to be relatable and all have their own personalities. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's I talk about that all the time with my girlfriend, how funny it is that, you know, the droids are are more human than the humans are. Like and and you know, all the I obviously like the Jedi are trained to be calm under under stressful situations. The droids are literally programmed for that though. And they can't even <laughs> like it's not even that they're like they're trained. They are not supposed to be able to feel anything else but but just their job and they're still freaking out. It's just I don't know if you've seen Rebels, but but I always think yes, I'm like almost through the first season. I'm getting there. Oh, I saw I'll, your I'll have it done by Mandalorian started. season two. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I love Rebels. Um, I, I it gets a lot of hate, but I, I love that show so much. Um, but I always think of Chopper, and he's one of the sassiest robots out there, and he's just I I, I still I'm I'm a diehard R2 fan, so I'm not gonna say that he's better than R2, but he's he's on R2's level of of sassiness, but also intelligence. <laughs> he's just quickly adaptable but he's also kind of like he complains more than c3po which is not a good combination so much oh my gosh yeah no he's awesome i've been been enjoying the new characters in rebels it, it took a little bit of getting used to being like this entire blank slate of new characters because going from like going into Clone Wars was like, okay, well, Ahsoka is like really the only person I have to get used to. And she's right. awesome. But mm. Rebels is like, oh, okay. These people. <laughs> yeah. Rebels is literally everyone is new. But I I'm waiting, waiting to see some familiar faces. Very excited for any scene that has Ahsoka in it. <laughs> They're coming. There's, there's a few familiar faces there. <laughs> yeah. No, I was really excited because I, I heard that, that she was I actually, before I even started watching Clone Wars, I had seen clips of Rebels and I was like, Okay, so I know Ahsoka's in it, and I watched Clone Wars, and I was like, "Oh, I get to see Ahsoka again, sweet!" And then I, got, I went and saw Rebels, and I was super excited. But I actually watched Rebels before season seven of Clone Wars came out, so I was already exposed to what was going to happen at the end of Clone Wars, and so <laughs> it was intense to say the least. That's the thing too is like, yes, I knew it was going to happen, but I still wasn't ready for it. I um I so I watched Clone Wars like fairly late. Um, I finished it like a week ago, but I started it, I don't know, in the middle of the summer. And I'm in all these Star Wars groups, as you know, so mm -hmm. everything was spoilered for me. And I oh, still, yeah. again, same thing, was not prepared at all. I'm just mm -hmm. like glued to the screen, like, no, no, <laughs> not it's so good. Even yeah, even when you know who's gonna live and who's not, you're still just like, don't do it, don't yeah. do it, Rex. No. Yeah. I mean, that's still like 13 year old me watching the prequels, being like, "There's no way this little boy's gonna be bad. Like, there's no <laughs> way." <laughs> right. Yeah. You literally know who Darth Vader is, and you're like, "That's not Darth Vader. No, he's, he's no. a good guy." And then he becomes an angsty teen, and you're like, "Well, I can kind of see it now." <laughs> yeah. And then you watch Clone Wars, and you're like, "Oh boy, it's kind of." <laughs> Clone Wars is definitely my favorite Anakin. <laughs> oh, yes, by far. And I've made the argument forever that Hayden Christensen isn't a bad Anakin. He just wasn't written right. Yeah. If, you see, if you see the bloopers, he acts like Anakin does in Clone Wars. Like, he's That's a really perfect funny. Anakin. I'll check that out. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, if you just watch, like, Star Wars prequels bloopers, he's just, like, super goofy and he's cocky all the time. And he's hilarious. He's not awkward and, and weird. Have you ever seen um, the fan edits of the prequels? I don't think so, no. So my husband's boss told him that someone went in and edited out all the quote-unquote bad parts. So I guess there's like five minutes of content left <laughs> for one and two. But <laughs> in theory, they edited out like all of the long, drawn-out like love scenes and mm. all the crap that like you cannot handle. And I really mm. want to watch it. Now that I finished Clone Wars, I want to rewatch, but I want to watch those versions. Oh, so yeah. So it's supposed to be getting me a link in the next week. 
Oh yeah, great. no. My girlfriend just texted me. She just finished season six. So once she's done with season seven, we're we're rewatching Revenge of the Sith like immediately. Yes, <laughs> that must happen. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, back to the ag stuff since we're getting off topic. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> it happens so easily for for Star Wars fans. Um, so yeah, so we were talking about the technology involved in in agriculture on Earth. So obviously, you know, in agriculture, as, as you've learned from, from our episodes, and as I've, talk, as I've talked about many times, we use robotics, we use artificial intelligence, we use a lot of new um, processes that are typically not thought of being used in agriculture, like drones and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that some of the Star Wars technology that, we, that we've seen in the movies or the shows or whatever, that besides the droids, but, but other technology, do you think that any of that could be used for agriculture today? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the technology just, you know, all the scanners and stuff they have, like, Mm. they could just come out here and, like, analyze the soil and be like, oh, you're nitrogen deficient. Like, and Mm -hmm. I mean, we have ways to test that, but it's not as, like, precise as they have in the show. I think a lot of their, like, scanning capabilities, um, you know, going, jumping off of um, using drones, like they could have a drone fly over and not only like show you a visual picture of it, but they could like drill down and show you like every detail of the Mm -hmm. topography and the soil composition and probably what needs water and what doesn't. And yeah, the Star Wars world could do some, some great things for agriculture probably. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I I completely agree. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, we do have ways of scanning for uh, insect life, for moisture level, for nutritional level, but it's, it's, it's a very new technology It's actually part of a new, a a new branch of agriculture called uh, precision agriculture. And it's, it's based off of the idea of using drones, using uh, some of those types of technologies to scan for that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, like we talked, like, like we talked about, it's not nearly as precise as it, as it looks in like in Star Wars, because they could literally like the empire has probe droids specifically for, sensing uh you know heat signatures of, of where rebels could be <laughs> like if you send a probe droid into a field could you imagine like they're like okay there's bugs over here and we could spray over there or, or the probe <laughs> droid itself could just go over and shock them all to death like you know yes. having having that level of built-in precision for the probe droid to just like go up and down the rows instead of having one drone fly over and possibly miss stuff i think that'd be really really cool to see so true and like what you said really quickly about like, oh, there's bugs over there. Um, so I'm reading a Republic Commando book right now, which is mm-hmm. Legends. So, you know, however people feel about non-canon. Right. Um, but in, in the story, they're um, developing bio-warfare that will attack only clones. Huh. And just, again, the level of precision with like the bio-warfare that they have, pesticides. Like you can right. just, you know, just target one particular pest and not harm the environment because it's right. just like targeted for that one thing it would be so awesome because I would kill to get all these little gnats off my kale. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be huge. If we were able to, to, to design pesticides so specific that they could just like, if we could like understand the insects so well, like they understand the clones so well and just say like, yeah. okay, this thing is only going to kill this insect. And so you could just like send it out. And like you said, like that way it doesn't harm the plant, doesn't harm the soil, doesn't harm the environment, doesn't harm the, the, you know, the atmosphere around it. It's just that insect that'd be perfect. And, and farmers would love that. You know, kill all the insects and then clone all the bees. There you go. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's, <laughs> that's how you save agriculture. <laughs> That's my Star Wars agriculture plan. (laughs) No, yeah, we definitely need to clone army of bees. As I'm 100 percent on board with that one. (laughs) So bees so bad. (laughs) I have worms right now to tide me over because I don't have the the time for bees, but it's Mm -hmm. in the five year plan. Oh yeah, no bees are bees are a lot of fun. I personally haven't handled them, but I have I have friends who have small farms that they use bees, and bees are infinitely useful for for farms. They're just they're so nice. 
Amazing. But, <laughs> anyways, um, so I, I've, I've heard about, I'm not sure if you were the one that told me this or if it was someone else on, on the page, I don't remember now, but I've heard about other agricultural planets in, in, the, uh, in the Star Wars universe. Like their planets actually designed for agricultural purposes. I wasn't sure if you knew about any of those. No. Okay. It might've been somebody else. Probably like, some of the books might... I haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause so, like, I have The entire planet is like one big greenhouse. Yes. Like, yeah, they have, they have certain Ooh. planets that are just farming planets. And what kind of came to mind for me was, you know, in the Mandalorian, um, what episode is it? I think it's the first episode he works with the former shock trooper and they go to like that little village. Oh yeah, yeah, where they're farming the like little blue guys. Yeah, I don't know if that's one of those planets or not, but that's kind of what came to mind when they mentioned it. Yeah, because that's like the that's all anyone did there that we Mm -hmm. saw, and like it was so valuable that like other people wanted to steal it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. They did not need to do moisture farming there because that was a very wet planet. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. Yeah, it was all swampy over there. Um. But yeah, no. If if we had you know let's just say that, you know, some, somewhere down the line, if we develop our technology enough where we can go inhabit other planets, do you think we're going to, to sanction off, like, you know, this planet is for tech development, this planet is for agriculture, this planet is for, you know, this thing? That's such an interesting question. I mean, with the way that we destroy planets, I would think we would need to. <laughs> You're like, okay, this one we're not going to mess up, all right? This is our veggies planet. Like, right. I think it, it makes sense, absolutely, because then you can kind of depending on what sort of like atmospheric controls and stuff you have, you can basically make the whole planet like a giant bubble. And hmm. yeah, I think that would be very interesting. Difficult to scale yeah. for sure. <laughs> Maybe start with like moons before we right. get to like full scale planets. Well, that's the thing that always cracked me up was like people talk about, you know, and, and it's discussed in Star Wars, like, oh, this, this is the mining planet. Like, you have an entire planet for mining. Like, you know how big a planet is? Like, <laughs> their planets are, like, the size of our, like, states. Like, they're not very big planets. Yeah, like, that's true. That is true. But they have mm-hmm. moons, too. They have the moon planet of Endor. How big is Endor compared to Tatooine? Like, I, I want to know the scales of these planets. Yeah, I wonder if there's information out there on it. Because we only see, we see like one shot and we're like, okay, so is the whole planet that topography or seeing that portion of it? Because, you know, it's thought of like, you know, all of Endor is just like this forest. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's always the thing I'm confused about. Because like, if if the planet is that small, then really like, there has to be a ton of planets for them to have that many different sceneries. And there is a ton of planets, as we know. But like, because they, they describe the planet based off of what that planet is used for. You know, that's right. the that's the agricultural planet. And Coruscant is the politics planet. And, you know, they all have, like, their in, 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 intended purpose. It's kind of just agreed that all of Coruscant is New York City, I think. Yes. Because <laughs> you've got the high rises, which are the upper levels, and you've got, like, the lower level. <laughs> right. Right. No, exactly. I think that we've, we've kind of just established that all the planets are just, like, very very small and they just have one climate forever and they have one type of of industry forever i just want to know like how that because we see shots of planets and they're massive so like how are they just making an entire planet intended for one purpose it's so what because you know, like navarro is a bounty hunter planet how do you have a whole planet just for like, bounty hunters to hang out <laughs> right like the entire I'm planet definitely, just... if we do a part two of this episode i'm going to come in with some knowledge okay i am i'm ready research. for it yes no it <laughs> If, you know, if we can find some information on that, I'm down for a part two, because I want to know. That's really interesting. It's given me a lot to, to Google when we're mm-hmm. done. <laughs> so, so that kind of, that kind of leads me to another conversation. So we see, 
a lot of different types of foods and, and drinks available throughout the Star Wars uh, universe. I don't know of any specific examples of food. I mean, obviously we see like baby Yoda eat frogs, but that's a different situation. <laughs> um, <And> but, <laughs> right. But like we see, I mean, we obviously we see Yoda make his soup, which I'm assuming he makes somewhere on Dagobah. I don't know what he makes it out of. Um, what kind of crops do you think, like, do, I'm assuming they don't have the same kind of crops that we have. Like, what, what kind of crops do you think that they grow? Like, what kind of food do you think that they're making? That's interesting, because I don't, you don't see them eating very many vegetables, because I'm going through, like, foods and stuff. There's, you know, blue milk, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. like, the, Ray had that, like, puffy bread, mm-hmm. which was cool, that must have come from some magical grain somewhere. But I it seems like it would be more grain heavy and not so much vegetable heavy. Like I've seen like breads and stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. the occasional fruit in Clone Wars, I feel like I remember Anakin eating something Mm apple-ish, but I don't really recall seeing much in the way of vegetables. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's more like grain based. Maybe they really don't have the food pyramid down in the Star Wars world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also have to, I have to, you know, I'm sure that they have to account for, how many different species are they dealing with that have so different digestive systems? Like I can't imagine they're all eating the same thing all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't think that, you know, that, um, and this is one thing that's always confused me. Like are all humans the same? Like are Coruscant humans the same as Mandalorian humans? Like what? No are one's they... the same as Mandalorian humans, but. <laughs> right. But like, cause you know, obviously we have like, like Plo Koon species versus like Kit Fisto species versus yeah. like, like the, like the Davimirians obviously they're going to have different digestive systems because they're different types of, of, of beings. You know, Kit Fisto is more like an aquatic species, whereas Plo Koon is, is fit for a different environment. Like he has to wear that mask just because he can't breathe oxygen. So right, like, right. How, how does that affect their diets? And also like, how are all these planets able to feed that many different types of populations? Yeah, I like, I'm always really curious about that as well, because like in, you know, coming from the Star Trek world, you mm-hmm. have these um, machines, basically like a 3D printer for food, and you can synthesize anything you want. But mm-hmm. Star Wars doesn't have that wonderful technology. Right. So I think just like, the planets where people actually come together. So like Coruscant or Navarro, planets that aren't delegated for one particular industry must just have so much trade going on or you're like expected to like bring all your supplies in with you if you have a weird diet, I guess. Like don't <laughs> travel without like 10 dinner packs. In your right. Yeah, Flokun just has to have a lunch pail with him everywhere he goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring the lunchbox around. <laughs> like, and, you know, like a lot of times they'll have like ration bars. So I guess you could travel with like a lot of those if that's something that you can consume for your species but even like how they consume food and like we don't see a lot of people consuming food in ways other than eating but like some people might not have mouths on their face (laughs) yeah and and like we talked about Plo Koon where is that mask like how does he without like does he have like a chamber he can go to where he can breathe so he can eat or like I don't I'm not sure how the thing is Mando. He can't eat in front of anybody. So he right. really has a chamber too. <laughs> yeah. If he's camping, does he just have to like wait until he has a chance to go to the bathroom so he can scarf down a, a breadstick real quick? Like <laughs> move it to the side and just like real quick. <laughs> he's just... Yeah, there's definitely not enough food scenes for how long we spend in cantinas and bars. Mm-hmm. There's not enough actual consumption of food. I'm going to be right. like keeping an eye out though. Now. <laughs> So this is the thing that always cracks me up. Every time I have somebody on this podcast and talk to them about this kind of stuff, they're always like texting me like right after episodes, like I just watched this movie. Now I can't unsee it. Like, (laughs) 
That's literally going to be me. Like, be prepared. Like, as I'm watching Rebels, I'm going to be looking for all these things. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for it. I always, I always look forward to those those texts. Like, I had one person. Um, I was on his podcast, and we were talking about uh, agriculture in. I can't remember what movie it was. Now I think it was Wally. Maybe I don't remember now. We were talking about some movie, and we were talking about video games, and we were talking about you know comic books, all this kind of stuff. And he like three days later texted me he's like dude i can't believe it i was watching this movie and i i didn't even realize like there's there's actual farming you know there's farming in that movie and i was like yeah it's in like every movie nobody realizes (laughs) there is farming in movies (laughs) yeah agriculture is like all over the place people just don't realize it and it cracks me up whenever i like open that up to people and they like they believe me finally they're like oh i didn't realize like how much it is in everywhere and i was like yeah food's kind of an important thing (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, even like, again, looking at like the Mandalorian, like we have the moisture farmer, we have Mm -hmm. the people in the little land getting the fish from the water. And like, that Mm -hmm. was like a big deal and a big part of the episode out of just eight episodes, we had like two or three big scenes that like, focused on farming. Right. Yeah. And and that's a big, you know, that's a big distinction, too, is that, you know, farming is not just food related. It's it's obviously it's resource related in in all ways, um, you know, here on Earth, we consider agriculture a, a branch term to talk about uh, the production of food, production of fiber for clothing, um, even like lumber. So how we get our wood is considered agriculture, mining, all of those things are considered agriculture. So when you, when you take that, you know, the, when you take that level of, of definition into it, think about how many mining planets there are, how many lumber oh planets gosh. there are. How many fishing <laughs> That's planets. a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. Like, you know, if, if you think about the like the galaxy as a whole, just as far as we know, because there are other systems in the galaxy that we don't see, obviously. Um, but like, you know, imagine if they if they started a lumber operation on Endor, you know, or gosh, like, so like <laughs> that would be sad. I I don't want to see the Ewoks. Don't suggest there. that to anyone. <laughs> um, but you know, like, you have like all, all the mining operations. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen them like fell a tree. Like I'm trying to think. Well, obviously, you see the Ewoks use um, use logs for you know yeah. for traps and stuff like that, but you never actually see them cut one down. I think, like you know, Ewoks, notwithstanding, because they're a more primitive society, but I think like in the upper societies of Star Wars, they're probably using more advanced materials. Yeah, like, I don't think they have a lot that's like made of wood. That's true. You don't see very many wooden houses in in the Star Wars no. world. Yeah, that that's true. You do see in in the newer trilogy that that um. Uh, I can't remember what the planet's called now. Uh, at the end of Force Awakens, where Rey and, and Kylo Ren are fighting in that forest, they do cut down some trees by accident because they're, neither one of them can, can fight. Yes. <laughs> just like randomly swinging at each other and a bunch of trees keep falling down. But um, someone came by and did something with those trees. <laughs> right. Yeah, they didn't just sit there and you know wait to catch on fire or something. But I think mean, it's a nice planet, so I can't imagine they were catching on fire too often. But um, but no, so it's like, it, I, I was always curious about that because, you know, my mind never stops thinking about agriculture because of the <laughs> podcast. I would watch that and be like, huh. So they have a fishing planet. They have a agriculture planet for just row crop farming. They have moisture farming. They have, uh, you know, obviously they have to produce clothes somehow and everyone wears different clothes. So I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I know some of the clothes are made out of, of metal and stuff like that. Cause they have like armor, but like the Jedi robes don't just show up. They have to be made somewhere. So they have to have some kind of, of planet where they produce either wool or cotton or, you know, something, some kind of similar synthetic material, maybe, I don't know. But when you think about that, like, and plus, you know, you have the, you have the spice trades because spice is like some, some super valuable resource in the galaxy for some reason. Um, you know, that whole trade. Right, it all about. Oh, you cut out for a second. Oh, sorry. 
You're good. What, what were yeah. you saying? Uh, I said, have you read it all about Spice? Uh, the only thing I know about Sp- Spice is from the Clone Wars and, and Rebels. I don't know much about the Spice trade besides that. I just like Googled it the other day because I'm like, why does everyone care about Spice? And it mm-hmm. sounds like it's basically like LSD. That's kind of what like, it seems like. kind of like high yeah. value crazy trippy drug mm-hmm. okay that adds up <laughs> <laughs> right get that being valuable <laughs> right yeah no exactly but you know they, they obviously have to farm that somewhere unless spice is just a name for it and it's, it's a synthetic material but it seems like it's farmed yeah like um it's always in mines so right yeah, very curious but they don't show it it's always, like in a crate but they don't right. crate, like yeah okay? <laughs> not spices no it's, it's yeah it's Although definitely not paprika those come from somewhere too <laughs> I wonder how they make that distinction if you want spice on your food right yeah um, maybe they have a different word for it I don't know but yeah I, I don't think that they're using paprika for for high dollar trades um but uh no so like you know stuff like that is, is obviously a, a big I mean it's a hot commodity so they probably have specific plans that are built around that I mean the entire war was supposedly waged off of the trade federation not you know not not holding up their end of the bargain on a lot of different commodities so like agriculture in all forms is is obviously a big deal in in you know the the galaxy far far away so it's it's kind of i don't know it's always always been kind of funny to me how how many different types of of you know connections you you can make to that kind of stuff yeah absolutely absolutely it's really interesting it like actually structures a lot of the story i mean like Mm -hmm. you know luke growing up as a moisture farmer is like an important part of his identity like yep Yep. No, we see we see it all over the place. I mean, always obviously like the desert planet motif is a thing that has to be used for every hero ever for some reason. Um, but you know, we we see it from from mostly from Clone Wars and Rebels. They get really really into it. But the movies we see a lot too. I mean, Naboo has like the aquatic species of the Gungans. They live in like a swamp area, but there's still fishing that's going on in Naboo. Like you see like yeah. the like you see like the fishing quarries and or not quarries um reefs and and some of the you know some of the shots of of the early movies and stuff like that. And so like there's there's so many different uh, connections to agriculture, but you know, I, and not not that I expect everyone to be like, oh yeah, there's farms in in, in Star Wars because that's kind of not the point of Star Wars. There's a lot of other stuff going on, but I I just think it's cool to you know cool to point that stuff out and show people like, hey, you know, look what's going on behind the scenes. Like there's there's other stuff here besides just you know flying spacemen that that are throwing swords at each other. It's nice that they fleshed it out and made it a realistic world mm-hmm. because if they didn't have all that, there would be people like you to question it. <laughs> and you'd say, hold on, how is this society even being held together? Yep. No, and I do. For for a lot of movies, I'll I'll you know I'll question like, okay, well, where's their food coming from? Where is their clothing coming from? Like, how are they sustaining themselves? Because you see a lot of like dystopian society-based movies like Hunger Games and stuff like that. And obviously in Hunger Games they have a farming district, but like you know, you see a lot of those, those, uh, like movies and books and stuff like that. And they just talk about how beautiful the cities are and how they're like utopian, you know, like castles and all this kind of stuff. And I'm always thinking, how do they get there? Like, because it's, it's kind of agreed upon at this point from a philosophical point of view, but also from a, from a, from a historical point of view that all civilizations have to start from agriculture, because if you don't have food, you obviously can't build a city. Sure. And, and so like in like in the ancient uh, civilizations when agriculture first started the civilizations weren't built until they realized they could farm because they're hunters and gatherers and once they figured out they could farm they had to build protection so they built houses and so that was kind of the first civilization um, i actually just recorded an episode that's coming out in a couple of weeks now that is talking about uh, johnny appleseed and how he was a real guy and how he used to plant uh, orchards everywhere he went because he didn't like living 
in civilization. So he just planted orchards and just kind of wandered. Everywhere he planted an orchard, a city just popped out of nowhere. Like he basically founded cities with his apples. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, when you, when you take it like Star Wars into consideration, you know, we have all these incredibly advanced civilized uh, planets. I'm sure they all had to start off somewhere. I can't, I can't imagine they were all farming planets because not all of them are suited. Like, obviously, you're not going to farm on Hoth. Like, that's, yeah. that's just not going to happen. <laughs> but I can imagine. By the way, what's Hoth used for besides ice? I think just ice. Because <laughs> I know it's a rebel base, but like, is it used for anything productive? I think it's just a wampa farm. Yeah, I think it's, like, intentionally chosen as, like, a pretty desolate... <laughs> That's like, fair. Then, yeah, that way we could hide from the Empire. That would make sense. Yeah, but, like, don't want to choose anywhere that people want to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, they're not going to hide out in Naboo and hope that nobody finds them. Yeah. Although that probably would have been a good place, because I guarantee Darth Vader wouldn't go back to Naboo. True. But, um, but yeah, so I, I kind of... I always wonder that. It's like, you know... I know that there's some planets that have to be dedicated to that kind of stuff. And there's some planets that they obviously can't grow anything, but like, how did they get into that? Cause obviously space travel wasn't something that they had for forever. They had to develop at some point. So how did those planets survive for so long? Or did they like, did, were they just inhabited after those planets were able to, 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 to transport over there? Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm thinking like the very opening scene in like the Mandalorian is like another ice planet and it's got all these like horrible creatures that can mm. come out of the ice and kill you. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're ice fishing or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Somehow they're sustaining themselves or, you know, like you said, maybe it was habited later on mm. and they brought all the resources with them, which is pretty feasible because if you think about it, like the odds of every Star Wars planet having been habited from like the get go are pretty mm. slim you would think that they, uh, you know, started off with a few and then branched out. Yeah, no, I, I'd be very curious. I'm sure that George Lucas has an answer for because he has an answer for everything, apparently. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, no, they, there's only one planet originally, and then they started going to all the other ones. Like, That's wild. <laughs> all, all the aliens are actually just humans that mutated, you know, just something. <laughs> like, he would just, he would just be like, I mean, like you said, is that canon? Well, it is now. Like, it's just now I made it canon. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what he does but no i always thought that was kind of interesting um and actually i just had a question i forgot what it was um oh i remember what it was now so um okay yeah so this is a little bit of a a strange question but it follows the same format as as the farming robot one um out of all of the because we see a lot of animals in star wars we see the tauntauns we see the wampas some of them are more monstrous like we we, we see the um the, the Mudhorn in the Mandalorian. We see the, the three beasts in, in the Battle of Geonosis and in, in, in Attack of the Clones. Um, out of all of the animals that we see, you know, the, 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 the weird cow things that Luke milks in, in, in his little desolate planet, which one do, would you want to eat? Honestly, I think a Wookiee would be pretty delicious. <laughs> That's not an animal, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, things tend to have some good meat under there and then you could like make a nice cloak too (laughs) horrible Chewbacca fans please don't kill me (laughs) see I I would I want to disagree with you because I love Chewbacca but really I I don't I don't I don't disagree with you because (laughs) (laughs) you could see like a bison kind of like if a bison stood up it would sort of look 
little bit like Chewbacca. <laughs> I always thought they were more dog-like, like maybe they're kind of lean. But if you get a pretty fat Wookiee, you might you might yeah, have a pretty good feast. Pump them up. Yeah. I wonder what a blurg would taste like. It would probably be super tough. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. What, so what's your what's your animal that you're nomming mm. on? You know, I hadn't thought about it before asking that, and I probably should have had a question ready. <laughs> I would want to, you know, as bad as I as I've as we've learned that they smell, I would want to try a tauntaun. I don't know why they just they just sound. It looks like a sheep. It looks like a sheep. Spice on that. Yes, that's that's what you have to put spice on. Whatever the word for spice is, that's not the drug. Seasonings. Yes. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would want to try the cow things that Luke milks because those look you know nice and fast. I'm sure they taste pretty good. Yeah. Um, oh, an Ewok would be so tender, I bet. Like, a oh yeah, <laughs> horrible. What if? Now do you think and the Wookiee fans will hate me? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that they have? Um, <laughs> do you think that they have like like gummy Ewoks? Do they have, like gummy bears. <laughs> if they don't, they should. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm sure Galaxy's Edge has that. <laughs> I'm surprised. No, I'm just gonna say I'm surprised Disneyland hasn't started marketing those yet. That should be a thing. <laughs> Ewoks I oh man I would eat those every day (laughs) (laughs) no I think that if I were to try I'm thinking about it because I think that a bantha would be kind of tough um but I would like to try bantha um the thing that comes to mind for me so I don't know how you feel about the last Jedi um I'm personally not a fan of it but I do love with all my heart the porgs and my girlfriend gets so mad at me because she she's like they're not useful for anything they're just cute and I was like I know but I love them I mean, th- we have plenty of animals that aren't useful, but they're cute, and we love yes, them. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. And, don't and, have to be useful. <laughs> and I was like, he's completely useful. He is Chewbacca's support animal. That is all he <laughs> needs to be there for. Yes. I would love one of those. I would not eat a pork. <laughs> I, 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 I'm conflicted because they're too cute to eat, but I bet they taste like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee oh, Luke has eaten at least one. Yeah, and I want to know. I want to know what they taste like. <laughs> so many Star Wars animals to eat. Now I'm getting hungry. For <laughs> I am too. <laughs> That's probably not a good question to ask, as I haven't eaten all day, so now I want. To eat. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, but yeah, no that that's a that was that was something that, that came to mind. So now I have these ideas for for merch I want to do for for my podcast, and now the gummy Ewoks are definitely part of that. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I had like, so I'm going to run these ideas by you. And anyone listening to this, don't steal my ideas, even though I haven't patented them at all. We will hunt you down. I'm listening. <laughs> I will send a bounty hunter from the planet of bounty hunters. <laughs> um, I had this idea for, so going back to the, to the, the robot conversation, um, I want to see a tractor. So again, there's a t-shirt idea. I want to see a tractor that has a slot in the front of it, like on, on the nose of the tractor, just in, uh, has a slot for an astromech. And you just have R2-D2 sitting in it, driving the tractor. Yes! That's cool. I will totally buy that shirt. I want to be your first customer. Like there's nobody in the cab. It's just the tractor and like the nose. And then R2-D2 just sitting in the front. And then like, I want to see him like driving through a field and like off to the corner, you see like C-3PO with his hands on his head because he's always stressed <laughs> out. I literally can picture this very clearly. Please make this. Nobody rip this off. <laughs> I want to make that shirt so badly because I think it'd be hilarious. You got to do it. You got to. Um, I don't think it'd be that hard to design. I don't. I don't think so either. I just need to get somebody to actually do it because I have no talent at all when it comes to art. Um, I, I think that everyone, like everyone and their brother, has like a home screen printing setup now. 
That's like, true. So many people that like do their own like t-shirts and stuff. So that's true. Yeah, my, I might have to look into that. Folks. Yeah, like, and then I had another idea for a shirt. This goes back to the Wally thing. I just want. I just, I don't know why. I just want a t-shirt of of an orange tree, and then Wally just like picking the orange and like his bucket open. I don't know why that just sounds like such a cool shirt to me. I just. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, that's almost like the, like, that's the prequel to his movie. Like his, the, the plant that he saved that entire time grew up into an orange tree and he's just like picking the orange from it. I think that's just a cool shirt idea. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I had another Star Wars one. I don't remember what it was now though. Um, I know that when I, when I brought up the question of like the, uh, which droid would be good for, uh, for a farming robot, somebody said a, a, a gonk droid. I don't know why. The trash can with legs. Uh, are they thinking that the trash can's hollow inside and can pick stuff? I don't know. He said that he just wants to see a gong droid pulling a plow. And I was like, I don't think it's going to work very well. Oh, I guess the assumption is that they're very strong. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. That, that, would, make, that would make a little bit more sense. Oh, I remember. Yeah, just chain a few Wookiees to the plow and when they get tired, we'll eat them. <laughs> I just love this idea of like, Wookiees are not people. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> They, they can't speak, so they must not be. Must not be people. I can't understand them, so they're not people. <laughs> I mean, where are the lines drawn? There's like no laws in Star Wars. This is true. Like, what what is considered an animal? What's considered a, a a person? Yeah. So, like, you can grab a frog and eat it, and it's gross, but it's okay. So, right. Like, what level of you know cognition do you need to have to be considered a non-edible being? <laughs> I. I don't know. Maybe you could just chomp down on a human and no one would care. <laughs> yeah. Our, and that's the thing I've always wondered too. How does the law system work in Star Wars? It doesn't like, at all. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> you didn't know exactly. There's, there's no level of police at all. The Jedi are the police and they're terrible at it. Like, <laughs> they break the law more than anybody. And yep. like, it's just, it's a completely corrupt political system and, and, a, and, a, and a, gover- a government system overall. So there's no level of, of, capital punishment of, of any kind for some reason like I'm, I'm very confused on how like is it planet by planet is it system by system because the mandalorians have laws and you yeah. can't like if you break a law in mandalore they kill you and the planet um oh uh you, you know the arc in clone wars where they they save that planet and uh saw Gerrera and his sister are like the, the revolutionaries behind the whole thing yes um it's Onderon, I think. It is Onderon. You're right. Yeah, I, that one stuck with me because I was like, they couldn't get more creative. That's just Alderon with one letter change. Come on. Right. <laughs> yes. No, I thought the same thing. I was like, Onderon. Really? Like you're, really? you're, you're... you pronounce it slightly differently, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're grasping at straws here now, guys. But yeah, that that's where Lux ended up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that planet has a, has a similar uh, like judicial system to um to mandalore like they actually have a police force and they actually have guards and all that yeah. kind of stuff i'm curious on how that works then because i don't think kashik has one like that like the wookies don't have any kind of judicial system i don't like do they have a jail on every planet do they have a like i i, I want to know how that works i feel like the overarching what you want to call like federal government of the galaxy really just controls trade that's what like, it sounds that's what it seems like like and then everyone beyond trade you can do pretty much whatever you want right it's just the wild west yeah and like you know there's there's little sects and fashion factions that have their own rules and you know 
put bounties on people's heads and stuff like that. But I think the overarching government really just cares that trade happens the way they want right. <laughs> yeah well because i'm always confused because like you always see like somebody in one of the movies or the shows or whatever do something and like somebody that they're hanging out with is like oh yeah don't do that you'll you'll these guys are gonna come kill us and there's yeah. like how are you supposed to know like is there like <laughs> you have to know the law get like a transmission to your ship when you land that says like these are the laws or, right like, cross state lines in like one state you can text while drive and the other state you can't like you got to make that stuff clear like, right yeah there needs to be a better communication system of like hey if you throw away your garbage on a tuesday on mandalore <laughs> we'll kill you and just like don't do anything wrong on mandalore <laughs> right. that's always going to happen well yeah because if you you do something one way then the mandalorian government will kill you if you do something the other way the death watch will kill you so it doesn't matter what you do you're gonna die it's very true don't vacation on mandalore no no not at all <laughs> not a fun place no definitely not so i'd be curious like you know because that that reminds me of like regulations and stuff like that so like for for you know going back to the agricultural thing like do they have regulations on anything like that like can they just like grow whatever they want whenever they want are there markets involved because it obviously trades a thing so like how do the markets yeah. work like i would think that like the again like overarching government whatever you want to call it like sets up the basic structure you know like we we're talking earlier about plants being designated for different things i think there's like parameters around what you can do and there's only certain resources so like if you wanted to grow tomatoes on endor you don't have tomato seeds like right what are you gonna do so i think like resourcing is maybe more of a factor than actual regulations that's probably true yeah imagine you're just <laughs> what if there's just like a really really like dumb farmer in on one of these plants like they just like there's like you know what I'm just going to grow this crop because I don't care what the regulations say. I just want to grow this crop. And it's like on, like, it's like we said, like Hoth. Like they just like, they want more than anything to be a farmer on this planet. And they're just trying to grow crops that will not grow. Because like some, some, some smuggler was like, Hey, if you grow these seeds, they're worth a lot of money. And they're just like, they grow them in Tatooine where nothing grows. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, that's another show I would watch. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just really defeated farmer just trying over and over. Well, have I you seen... Right. Are, are you like a, are you a Harry Potter fan? Yes. Okay, so you know about Mundungus Fletcher. Yes. So I love, because I was listening to a Harry Potter podcast for a little while called Potterless. Great show. Um, in, that, in one of the episodes, he's talking about Mundungus Fletcher, and he's just like, I want to see a spinoff series of Mundungus Fletcher just ripping people off on, on magic items that don't work. And <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that for Star Wars. I just want to see some smuggler. I want to see Han Solo do it, honestly. I want to see just some smuggler like just going around, just ripping people off, and then just like, like that's why I want to see like a spinoff series of The Mandalorian. Just... I don't know who or what or, or how it would be done, but I just think that'd be hilarious. A Star Wars-themed Harry Potter-inspired snake oil salesman. Yes. <laughs> That's a long title. <laughs> I would watch that, though, in a heartbeat. I would do, I'd make an entire podcast just about that show. You need someone like the Mandalorian, though, who has, like, this really strong force. Like, you're not going to mess with him. You're obviously always going to buy it from him. Like, right. Yes. No, that, that'd be, that'd be great. No, I, I want, I want to see that dynamic. And then I want to see like, or like, I want to see, I think it'd be really funny if somebody like stole the identity of somebody else, like somebody dressed up as 
Din Djarin as the Mandalorian and like tried to try to go around selling things and and like ripping people off and like the real Mandalorian's like dude what the heck and like they just have like, this whole again, it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> no I, I just think that'd be because there's like for Who some reason there's this yeah no I, I don't know why there's this theme of everyone stealing Mandalorian armor but like everyone's got Mandalorian armor and nobody's a Mandalorian anymore like it's just it's so weird to me like the Fets are not Mandalorians and they have Mandalorian armor Din Djarin, I guess was a foundling so he's okay but like there's all these stories about people like stealing Mandalorian armor and just becoming yeah. Mandalorians like I don't get how the Mandalorians haven't just like killed them all so like um the Fets are really interesting because like you would think that like the Mandalorians would like despise them but like I read like mixed things like the book that I'm reading right now they like worship Jango Fett as like a god because he's like the greatest bounty hunter and I'm like don't you guys kind of think he's a fraud right I feel like it's painted a little and again it's not in canon so maybe that's why it's a little inconsistent but I keep seeing people talking about this like possible Boba Fett cameo in the Mandalorian and they're like oh maybe we'll find out if he's a real Mandalorian like well He's not, unless they are really rewriting the canon again. Right. Wouldn't with line up. <laughs> I just like ugh. bringing people back from the dead is awesome, but like he's dead, like super, super dead. Right. Yeah. I there's 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 EU stories about him surviving the Sarlacc pit, and I have no idea how that could be possible. Like it's a Sarlacc pit. Nobody survives that. Is, yeah, is, like we saw what happened. It wasn't like they cut away right before he fell in it. Like, right. It wasn't like he like he he could have had a chance to shoot it and then like fly away or something. Like, no, we saw him fall into it and get eaten. Like, Beskar is just like that strong. <laughs> it's just been like it was it just spam right back out. Right. Or yeah, maybe maybe Beskar doesn't taste good and like the the Sarlacc's <laughs> just like what is this and just got rid of him. Like, I I don't I don't I don't see how they could bring him back if they do okay i guess yeah, i mean i'd love to see him but i'd kind of be like all right <laughs> well, yeah it, it's confirmed that his armor at least is going to be in the show but there's theories yeah. it's going to be an imposter and I'd, I'd almost rather see that just because it would make more sense yes as much i'm as fine wanted, with the armor oh mining beskar would be something i'd be interested that would be yeah. that would be cool because i they don't explain where beskar comes from they just say it just is mandalorian armor yeah it's so I've been doing so I'm um building a Mandalorian kit, a set of armor, if you will, in very early planning stages and like reading so much about it. And it's like so interesting that it can like draw blaster fire mm. specifically to it and like what properties in it allow that to happen. Like I wanna know more about this mineral. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've you know, since I started watching the Mandalorian, I started learning more about Beskar. I didn't know hardly anything about it until watching the show. Yeah. Um, I had friends who were very, very into the Mandalorian lore, and they were telling me all about it for forever. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." And I watched. It, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Beskar is pretty cool." Yeah. And but, so, I, I would love to see what, like, what was the inspiration behind that? Because it sounds like, like, why would there, why would there not be like massive mining operations to get this stuff? Because obviously, it's super rare. Obviously, it's extremely valuable because it's it's so it's so impenetrable and it's so you know it's so powerful where is the like where's the trade federation where's the trade federation for that kind of stuff like why why was that not a, a more talked about topic like why is nobody hunting down beskar 
Yes. And like, I don't understand, like, I get that like Mandalorians are strong and powerful and no one wants to mess with them, but how are like some rich folks not just hunting down every Mandalorian that owns any Baskar, Baskar and stealing it from them? Like, how right. is that not, I know they're more like in the Mandalorian, they're supposedly like wiped out, but I think we'll find that they aren't since in theory, we're going to meet Bo-Katan and stuff. Yeah. But like, I would think they would be completely wiped out because people would just be like, oh, well, you're made of diamonds. So I right. want you. <laughs> like, yeah, and- like, that's something that, that isn't really talked about either. The whole reason behind the Mandalorian purge was not for their Beskar. Like, it was all for, like, like because they thought the Mandalorians were too much of a threat or because of political reasons. Like, there was basically every reason but your armor is extremely valuable. They just wanted the Mandalorians dead. Like, there was no inspiration behind that that was related to their armor, which doesn't make any sense to me because, like, everyone knows not to mess with the Mandalorians because of their armor and, you know, their fighting styles too. But like throughout the show, everyone sees the Mandalorian. They're like, Ooh, that armor. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very bizarre that that didn't just become, you know, like, like ivory tusk that was just like hunted to extinction. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Imagine a tractor made out of Beskar. <laughs> that would be so expensive. Yes, it would. So heavy. <laughs> you Tractors would have to the Beskar. <laughs> right. Well, that's the other thing too. Like, how much Beskar is there? Like, is like, yeah. are are they out of it, and they they just have to find whatever tablets are left, or is there still a mine for it? You know. They've got to be out of it. <laughs> I I, can, I I would think so. I don't know. Well, like, so Kinjar and his bounty is like like a kilo of Beskar maybe and like that's his suit was probably I don't know like five million dollars yeah no his suit's like like insanely expensive five billion dollars right like price on it I mean like the fact that but but also I'm kind of confused on how how the payment system works because like they offered him Beskar to hunt down this seemingly helpless you know child I mean, I get that it's force sensitive and they're all scared of Jedi, but he went and got this in like it was nothing. Like there was no challenge in him getting the baby. Like why did they give him this extremely valuable material instead of just hoarding it for themselves? Right. Well, and you would think that for the price they gave him, they could have hired what, like a thousand droids or a thousand soldiers to just go and storm the place instead of sending one freaking bounty hunter at a time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, that's not an efficient use of resources. And then like they gave him the brick as a down payment, which like I could never get over. No. I tried to count. I think he got like 20 when he was paid. So they gave him like a 20 of, of this like billion dollar payout up front. Like what? right. Like that that's why I'm so confused because they talk about how valuable it is, and obviously it's it's extremely useful. And they just give it to him like it's nothing. They're like, hey, here's some Beskar. Like oh, you know that extremely rare mineral? Like, it's like, that's like paying a Jedi in kyber crystals. That's like... Yes, and like, what are the odds? Like, that they just happen to have Beskar? Like, now I'm really, like, thinking about it. Right. Oh, could you imagine a payment in kyber crystal? (laughs) That's another thing, too. How do they do kyber crystal farming? Because... I don't think you... Yeah. You probably need Jedi's, right? Well, I would think so, but we know that the Death Star is powered by kyber crystals yeah. and that and that Palpatine farmed Ilum to get as many kyber crystals as possible. But we learn in Clone Wars you can only get kyber crystals if it's presented to you. You don't just get to go get them. You would think that he would have to have sent a Sith to get them. So or... maybe Vader has enough light side in him to activate the kyber crystals again? I don't know. 
Maybe he used a Jedi, like I'm thinking someone like Barris or something. Oh, like, could have been. To work with prior to Order 66. Or yeah, because like, we still don't... For himself. Like. Yeah, because we still don't know what happened to Barris or, or at what point she turned. Like that's also yeah. kind of in the dark. Uh, that arc, that arc really got me. Oh, man. <laughs> when, when, when I saw Ahsoka fighting her, I was like, it's Barris, isn't it? And I saw yeah. Anakin, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways well i think that that's a before we get on too many more tangents i think that's a pretty good stopping point for this conversation yes. star wars we can go on forever but, all day <laughs> <laughs> and while there's a, a handful of more farm related star wars topics we can go into i think that a lot of it's just gonna be more logistic stuff um i don't know if there's anything else that you had questions about or anything else you wanted to discuss more no, I think we covered a lot. Um, I think so. The one thing I didn't get your thoughts on um, was the the Star Wars technology. Is there a single piece of Star Wars technology mm. that you would like that mm. would really make agriculture better, easier? That that's that's a good question. Um, man, there's just so much technology; it's hard to pick. I actually have a book that's like all of the weapons and technology in Star Wars. Cool. it's so cool well you're gonna um, have to look at it later and i know you'll be texting me <laughs> oh yeah no i'll definitely find it um let me i mean off the top of my head i think that if we're talking like like practicality wise um i mean they have like super precise tools like you like these like the medical droids are able to create prosthetics for for hands that are like so realistic i feel like like that level of of, of precise medical technology is it's got to be useful for something. I mean, yeah. in whether it be soil science analysis or, or maybe in genetic modification or in, in something, I don't know, like maybe that could be a, a way of, pre of preventing us from having to put down animals that break their legs. We can like, I, I don't know. I feel like that that's something that, that could be explored more because we see that in, you know, in, in the clone wars arc where, where they learn about the chip, like there's that level of, of detailed medical, ability and not to mention like you know just the cloning process overall is so precise and so and so right. you know effective that like i think that their understanding of, of the medical industry is something that i think could be really really useful for a lot of our more like like microbial science so like for soil science for for you know like i said genetic modification for crispr kind of technology i'd like to see that like that kind of level of like biotechnology used more more effectively yeah, that would be awesome. Although, you know, if you involve the Kaminoans at some point, our squash are all going to kill us. So Yeah, I, I you can't trust the Kaminoans for anything. <laughs> Although I would like to see a Kaminoan try to pick some oranges. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> oh, they can eat everything. <laughs> He's so graceful. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they, although they wouldn't touch it. They couldn't go anywhere near the dirt. That's true. <laughs> they're, they're too clean and, you know, like pure yeah. and everything. They would have to outsource that. <laughs> yeah, but... It is this what was it is. a great conversation. I really yeah. enjoyed this. No, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to have you on for you know so some more you awesome. know Star Wars banter. <laughs> and like I said, my you know um, I've I've got some some more research I need to do on some topics. Obviously, you said you have some more research you want to oh, do on yeah. some topics. I'm be, be looking at some planets and some stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I I, I guarantee. <laughs> concrete data <laughs> <laughs> awesome well, i guarantee we're gonna have a lot more to talk about my girlfriend's about to finish clone wars so i'm already gonna have more yeah to talk we're about. getting that conversation going when she wraps <laughs> that up <laughs> yeah no for sure it's happening <laughs> i'm very excited and I, I can't wait for her to start rebels that's gonna be so much fun I, I love rebels but um but yeah so i think that was a that's a good you know that's that's a good uh hour 
hour and 10 minutes or whatever it was that we spent. I think that was a good conversation we had. So <laughs> It did. I didn't even realize. I was like, oh, it's already been an hour. I should probably start wrapping up. <laughs> but, well, thank you again for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. I definitely appreciate the, you know, the, the interest and in, you know, listening to my other episodes and stuff like that. It's always fun getting other perspectives on here and getting more conversations out there. And um, I always love having these types of episodes because like I said, a lot of people don't realize just how connected agriculture is to everything that we consume. It's everywhere. And so, you know, I think that conversation is really fun to have too, is not just, you know, I'm not just preaching about something that's that's over in, in my small hometown. It's also everywhere we look. I mean, food is kind of essential to all that we can, all that we consume. And so that's kind of why it's important to talk about like, you know, agriculture is in all of our movies, it's in all of our TV shows, it's in all of our video games, it's everywhere. So I'm going to be looking out for it now <laughs> a lot more than I was before. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, my pleasure. I, and like I said, you know, any, anytime you're, you have more questions about anything, even if it's not Star Wars related, just agriculture related in general, um, you know, I have an episode for everything, but there's some questions I haven't answered yet that I'm happy to, to talk about. So awesome. yeah. So yeah, thanks again for for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Oh, before I close out, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I have a brand new Instagram. So if anyone wants to follow me, accepting any and all follow requests, um, it's Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-H-A dot Purdum, P-U-R-D-U-M. You will see cosplays and an increasing amount of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed looking through some of your posts they've been very entertaining <laughs> but um yeah so everyone go check go check out natasha i'm sure she'll be back on for another episode fairly soon um because we always have more to talk about i hope all of you enjoyed the episode it was definitely a lot of fun and i enjoyed it quite a bit uh, thank you again to our guests and and to all of you who are tuning in and uh thanks for you know all the support that you guys give on every on every episode thanks again to faith for for donating to this podcast uh you know, a monthly subscription, which again is not necessary or or obligatory, but I greatly appreciate it all the same. Thanks again to our sponsor, Anchor, and and uh, you know all all the that you do in terms of financial investment of this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. So I hope to hear from you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. <laughs>